Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Front Office Podcast. I am your host, Ryan the Gooskasker, here with you, as always, episode three, coming at you. I know that we're a little bit spread out right now, but we are four busy dudes trying to get through the fall, and what a time it's been. And again, I would be remiss if I did not welcome in everybody that's on the podcast today. I've got my buddy, my pal, Mr. Jolan Bioqua. Jolan, what's up, dude? What's going on, people? What's going on, gentlemen? Always a pleasure to be here. Well, it's good to be here with you, Joel's, and and and, and always excited to talk sports with you. And then, of course, uh, I will call this, and I and I I like my life, so I'll, I'll put this nicely. The older generation here on the podcast, uh, we've got my buddy, my pal, the co-host of Game Time with the Goose every Saturday, eight to nine a.m. Mr. Zach Cruck. Zach, what's cooking? Hey, man, just living the dream of a forty-eight-year-old man. <laughs> Kids and wife doing well. Uh, and finally, we've got on the podcast another great friend of mine, my former principal, mine Angels, his former pr- uh, principal, former host, co-host of the Goose and Doc show, Dr. Vin Prisbolinski, recently retired and back from the road. Doc, welcome. Welcome, Goose, and welcome, guys. Great to be back here with you. I know it's like always like good friends. We just pick up where we left off, you know, a few weeks ago. Uh, talking about living a dream. I mean, you know, Crocky 48, living a dream. I'm a double nickels. And, it, it, you know, my last two weeks were a sports frenzy, you know, being, uh, you know, in-state college in Pittsburgh and South Bend. And we can get into that. But, uh, you know, I hit four major games in a week and a half time. And it was just uh, awesome. Awesome to come back. Got back yesterday and then jump on the pod with you guys. Uh, welcome. Great to be with you. Always a fun time sw- talking sports with these guys. They're tremendous. And Doc, you let off with it. We'll start with you in our segment around the room. Uh, let's start with you for your update. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, like I said, I had a great week and a half. I, I started off uh, in uh, South Bend for the Notre Dame pit game. Head back uh, to, to State College, then to Pittsburgh again for Steelers. Titans followed by Pitt, Florida State. I wrapped it up yesterday with a great college hockey game, Notre Dame, Penn State. If you ever, if you guys ever see uh, college hockey, you know Big Ten hockey. It's uh, it's fantastic. So uh, a lot went on. You know, it started off great with Notre Dame, and then I was disappointed with the the loss to Clemson. So that kind of took my uh, you know week and a half down a notch. But I tell you what, the Steelers, uh, being a Steeler fan. Um, they just know how to win. I mean, they've been outscored in all eight games this year and, and have won five of them. It's, but I think we're at a point now that we decide, is this what a Tomlin coach team is? You know, are they going to be able to get to that the next step? You know, as far as uh, my other interests, you know, obviously the, the Yankees and things are heating up with the uh, general manager's uh, meetings. And then, you know, you guys pluck in one of our coaches there to take them over to Flushing. So uh, we'll get into that. But, you know, that's my report. But the report is, I mean, I had a, a sports frenzy and I'm very lucky enough to have a wife and, and family to, that enjoyed as much as I do. And um, I'm home another day and then I'll be out in State College for uh, I'll catch a little basketball on Friday night, Penn State, Lehigh. But that's that's a small appetizer for uh, the big game, Michigan and Penn State on Saturday. Yeah, new Penn State basketball coach coming in. And, uh, you know, Doc, it's always fun to catch those frenzies. It's always fun to be a part of. And, of course, this is how, you know, you guys do such an awesome job of just segueing me in to the next one because we're going to go to Crucky. And I'll tell you, I know Crucky's favorite team is the Devils. And we watch a lot of Big Ten hockey because one of our prospects, Seamus Casey, uh, hopefully is playing for the Devils here soon, but he's enjoying his time at Michigan. Just got Luke Hughes from Michigan last year. Uh, So that's a perfect segue uh, into Crucky. Crucky, what's on your mind? 
Hey, man, you know, I don't have near the uh, uh, travel itinerary that Doc does. I'm <laughs> jealous of that. It, it sounds fantastic going to games. I got a few more years left. My kids got to get a little older before <laughs> I'm able to uh, to take that type of stuff in. But hey, hey, like you said, Goose, we're all busy. We're all doing different things, but we always have the time to come back and check in on our sports. And there's plenty going on. We're going to get into a lot of the stuff, the local teams, obviously, that uh, that we follow and uh, root for. But games going on around the country, stories going on around the country. Now, that's the greatest thing about sports. We say it all the time. It's it's a it's a drama in real life and uh, the show never ends. So happy to be here and looking forward to getting uh, down and dirty in the sports world. No doubt, and uh, definitely some huge updates, as we mentioned before. Mets have a new manager. Daniel Jones is out the rest of the season. The Giants are in what potentially tank mode. Joels, I'll go over to you for your report there, brother. And uh, I know you had a pretty exciting event you were at on Saturday. Oh, my report is, uh, yeah, it's personal to me and Goose. Uh, We actually went to City Field to do some golfing. And I will say, out of the whole group, I took third, Goose tied for first, and then, yeah, we had some good shots. It was a wonderful time. And, yeah, Tankathon, Giants, I'm all on board for Caleb Williams. I don't want to see us win another game. We could get out of the contract in 24. I'm all geared towards this guy in USC. Love his emotion, love his talent, hate his defense because he let up 45 points a game. Let's go, Caleb. I'll tell you what, you know, I loved his performance against Notre Dame, too. Outstanding. (laughs) I'm glad he he saved the – the lemon for my fighting Irish. Well, he no longer has Alex, the Grinch who stole Christmas uh, as his defensive coordinator anymore for the rest of time. So that's good for everybody. Uh, Joel, as you mentioned it, we played golf at city field. That was awesome. Uh, I had a shot from the upper deck behind home plate that landed about a foot and a half from the hole. Uh, and we're talking about a hundred, I believe it said it was 170 yards away. 124 adjusted for elevation. Uh, it was one of the best golf shots I've ever hit in my life. It was one of the prettiest shots I've ever hit in my life. And somebody's got to have some power in that stadium. So uh, it, it was definitely fun. Uh, I'm looking to get forward, looking forward to getting back into the sports world, season tickets with the Devils. So uh, they, they've kind of been on the road for the last like week and a half. So we'll see. But, guys, let's get into the meat and potatoes. And we have quite the scandal going on in college football with Michigan and their football program, Connor Stallions, this underpaid, uh, I don't even know what to call it, intern uh, per se, and he's flying all these stadiums. He's illegally taping uh, uh, practices, or not practices, but games uh, of other teams to steal their signs. We're seeing photos come out, still images of, of signal sheets for the Michigan staff. I will start. I will start with Crucky here. What do you make of this scandal? I mean, this it feels like Spygate, but like on steroids. Uh, the way, at least the way it seems. I mean, this is a scandal that I have never seen before, and it's one that could come with unprecedented penalties depending on the investigation. Yeah, I don't really uh, like. How do you get access like that? They just let people wander onto the sidelines at these games and just do whatever they want. Like it, it's amazing to me that this guy is sitting there on the sidelines. He's got sunglasses on. You see the blue light come on with the camera. He's wearing the attire of the team of the sideline he's on. 
Like, how does that happen? I feel like there used to be a guy, Doc, you'll probably know this. There used to be a guy who would get into all these different events. Like he'd go and I forget the guy's name, but he was like an expert at it. You'd see him at every big sporting event and he would get, make his way in there, wear a player's uniform, like beyond the actual field of a major league team before the game, like warming up with them. And he did this. I think he was actually at, it was an NBA all-star game. He was actually in the layup line at an NBA all-star game. Like it happened. But back then there was a lot less surveillance on that type of stuff. I feel anyway, maybe I'm wrong that there is now. And the ramifications of this, we're going to find out what they are. But I mean, really, when you're Michigan, when you're a perennial power in college football, you have Harbaugh as your head coach. Uh, I don't understand. I understand it's it's a hyper-competitive landscape, as all big-time sports are when there's a lot of money involved. I don't get it, though, from the perspective of how he gets there and how he's able to accomplish this, one. And two, you're this program. You really need this guy doing this? Like, you have to try to get every advantage and cut corners in order to try to beat opponents that are clearly beneath you on paper. The whole thing is bizarre, and I, I don't know what comes of it, except for the fact that now I see Harbaugh on an NFL sideline next season, and I don't think there's uh, going to be a lot of question about that, depending how bad the fallout's going to be. But from the look this, looks of things, it looks like it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah, and Zach, I think you bring up a good point. I, just talking about, uh, in particular, that was the Central Michigan game. I mean, nobody did a double take when this guy's wearing sunglasses at nine o'clock at night. I mean, nobody thought. And then when you look at him, you'd be like, wait a minute. Why does he have a blue light coming out of his sunglasses? It's just a really weird situation. Doc, uh, your thoughts on it and uh, and and where it goes from here. I mean, it, it's a very difficult situation, right? It feels like the kids are going to end up getting punished uh, in this whole scenario. Should they? Uh, I feel like that's a good question to ask. And, you know, again, obviously Harbaugh should get some blame, right? I mean, it, you uh, we talked about it before we even started this. Leaders have to take accountability uh, for not only themselves, but their staff and the people around them. Well, I think ultimately Harbaugh is responsible for everything in his program. He's the head guy. And it's hard for me to believe that this fellow is acting on his own to do what he did you know, piggybacking off or to answer Crucky's question, he says, how is it, you know, able to happen? We think, you know, less surveillance years ago, but probably much less people on the sideline. Now you look at these sidelines and there's more surveillance, but look at the quantity of people that are on the sidelines. I mean, you you, you probably have, uh, you know, 75 people in central Michigan quarter zips, you know, and it's easy to get lost. And it's one person who, you know, was supposed to be supervising who's going out on the field. It's probably very easy uh, to to blend in. You know, I understand, you know, the, the, the kids could get, get hurt in this, but, you know, these are also kids now in the college football world that are being paid uh, millions of dollars. I don't feel as bad for them, the money that some of these kids are making. And, you know, especially, you know, look at these, some of these six-year athletes now during the COVID era who, you know, are they, you know, what are they doing? Are they going to class or just showing up, you know, collecting their NIL money and, and, and playing because college football is really just, you know, it is essentially pro football now, you know, the, uh, um, you know, just a stepping stone, you know, if you will. 
Um, I've, I've heard that the suspension could be a, a couple games for Harbaugh. I don't, I don't think that's really severe and it might be a suspension that doesn't even um, occur this year or would not affect the playoff situation. Uh, probably the NCAA is just hoping, you know, he goes away. And as Krucky says, you know, on an NFL sideline, probably following, you know, a similar pattern as a Pete Carroll, you know, things, uh, there was a, a crap storm at USC and off he goes to Seattle. Uh, Harbaugh will probably do uh, the same thing. Yeah. And well, I mean, Pete Carroll's had some, had a lot of success when he first went back. Uh, Joel's, this is uh pretty, pretty interesting, right? I mean, if you're going to have the biggest scandal in college football history, I mean, and you don't even win a national championship with it, right? I mean, we saw the Astros stole signs. They won a title off of it. I mean, these guys didn't even do it. Clearly, Connor Stallings, for as amazing a sign stealer as he is, clearly didn't steal the signs of TCU that well. Uh, clearly, clearly, they let up 51 points in that game. Uh, so clearly, he didn't have all the answers for that. Uh, I know they were they had an extended period of time, changed signs, all that stuff. Uh, but still, it, it is kind of crazy. And, uh, and Joel's, they have two pretty big matchups coming up against Penn State and Ohio State in a couple weeks. I so, mean, this is this is going to be bedlam. I mean, the, these environments are going to be ruthless. I there's a thing about the sign stealing that I don't have a problem with. It's just how you react as a team. If someone's stealing your signs, not enough people reacted positively. So now Michigan looks at like the bad guy. But if anyone's stealing your signs, quarter to quarter, half to half, you're supposed to change them. I feel like it's on the programs to change them. I do feel like there's an integrity issue with. Like Rocky said, the matchups, Michigan's way better on paper. Why are you doing it? And the levels that they went to to get signs, I do feel like that is a little bit out of wax. But at the same token, I don't have a full problem with stealing signs in today's game. There's cameras everywhere. Someone's going to do it. React to it. Yeah, I feel like it, there's there. it happens a, a, a lot. But I think, uh, I think, like you said, it's to the level that they went to. Uh, in order to do these things that you just can't go to. Uh, if you're able to dissect signs while in game, you know, like good for you, you're probably doing the wrong job. You should probably try to go save human beings for a living uh, instead of wasting it on stealing signs for a football game. But uh, I think at the end of the day, it's like it, they, they just have gone about this all wrong. Uh, and now, you know, they're, they're really, I mean, if you guys look at some of the stuff, they're really trying to turn this into Michigan against the world. When they're the ones that were in the wrong, I mean, they're the ones that did the heinous act, and yet they're here sitting. It's Michigan against the world, and trying to be the victim. Well, that's Harbaugh too. You know, that's yeah. always been Harbaugh. Harbaugh is a guy. Harbaugh doesn't. He's always struck me as a guy as hey, you know, it's somebody else's problem. It's not my problem. So I, I, that mindset doesn't shock me too much. You know, I think and if I look at like what Joel's is saying, Joel's is looking at it realistically. I mean, in this world today, it's it's a lot easier to steal signs. And if you look at now, you know, you guys uh, combined ages like 50, me and Crucky's over 100. So we go back, we watch games in the 70s and 80s in baseball. Okay, now you watch a baseball game and every conversation at the mound, the glove is or the hand is over the mouth. But yet in the 70s and 80s, when I'm watching baseball, it's an open discussion. Why do you think that is? Because people are reading lips. You know, they're doing they're they're trying to steal signs that way. So again, to Joel's point, it is just part of the world we 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 live in. And you know, there is some uh, you know gamesmanship there. And yeah, you have to take steps now to prevent it. In baseball, it's you know 
putting the glove over your mouth and, and maybe, uh, you know, to your point again, Joel's, uh, the schools have to put in, you know, they have to adjust, you know, that you have to realize that this sign stealing is going to occur and we, we have to adjust our signs. Now, I wonder if it's similar to baseball in 2017, where the Astros got caught, but it was rumored multiple organizations were doing it. I wonder if there's a few college teams out there lingering with the same type of system and just Michigan got caught. It's going to be interesting. Wesleyan used to do it like in 2016, 2017 in Connecticut. They were yeah. stealing everybody's signs in football. They used to uh, on a couple sidelines against right, their conference right. teams. <laughs> right. They they had a player. He started off number 57 and then he changed his number. They, they you know, they, they... Yeah. we did. We dove deep into that one for, yeah. in our back. For, for our listeners, we're just poking a little fun at uh, Goose, our college football player. Here oh, that's screen. funny. That's funny. And, and, and again, I think you, I, Joel, I think everybody raises great points. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what the league does. Uh, the precedent has been set that the, League typically does not levy the punishment, uh, but we've seen the league is getting a ton of pressures from other coaches. And Joel's, I've seen it's come out the last couple of days that a, there's a rumor, there was a leak, there was some kind of information shared that like multiple teams in the conference had like a shared document of recorded signs that they had picked up on. Uh, again, just it just it takes that to another level, uh, kind of what we're talking about, how it's gotten more complex as the years have gone on. So it'll be interesting to see, but I mean, could you imagine Michigan throws a wrench in this whole thing and win, beats Penn state on the road? Uh, and then they beat Ohio state. I mean, with clearly, obviously not sign stealing uh, this time, I it's, it, it's going to be something we haven't seen. And you're right. Uh, Doc, I think you brought it up before. If they give them a couple games, he and the school sound like they're going to sue. They're going to try to get an injunction uh, so that he can coach out the rest of the year and then potentially uh, adios amigo to the NFL. So certainly not what we want to be focusing on in college football. We want to be focusing on the games at hand uh, and some of the great matchups that are coming up. They they have another huge slate this weekend and uh, a lot. And we're gonna we're we're gonna come back to the college football playoff because it's gonna be huge as we get down the stretch here. Um, but I you know it, it's just kind of crazy. And so now I want to transition uh, into our baseball world a little bit. Carlos Mendoza anybody by the raise of a hand before today knew who Carlos Mendoza was. Doc had to know him. Yeah. Yeah. I, Doc, I, Doc I, knew him. He was the bench coach for your team. What do you know about him, Doc? Well, you know what, what I like about Carlos Mendoza, he's a guy that that's come up through, through this, the, the proper channels, you know, he's, he's worked hard in the game. He's developed a nice reputation in the game. And he's not like the guy that, you know, comes off the playing field and is an anointed a manager. You know, he's come through the ranks. He's worked in the minor leagues. He's he's managed at a, a lower level, coached. And again, uh, I like to think that like anything, you, you've, you've learned a lot in that role. I mean, you know, I have my opinions on Boone. I think maybe you're maybe you'll get a guy that, you know, there's some good things that Aaron Boone does, but maybe you get a manager now that's, you know, not going to pull a guy who's throwing a one hitter, you know, in, in the fifth inning with 60 pitches and you pull him out, you know, he's going to be his own guy. You know, the first person I thought of um, was Rob Thompson and Rob Thompson was another guy that came up through the Yankees and they did not give him 
an opportunity. They gave him like a courtesy interview before they hired Boone. And look at the success Rob Thompson has had as that loyal soldier that came up through the Yankee system. I don't think Mendoza has been in the system as long. I'm not, not quite sure. I know he's been, I think, four years beside Boone. But I look at him the same way, and I'm glad that he's getting an opportunity. And, uh, you know, I think it's a good hire for the Mets. I know people are, you know, criticizing it. But I, I think it's a, a good good hire, a good fresh face uh, in managing and a good hire for the Mets. And he's got plenty of experience, right? Boone's been thrown out of plenty of games. Uh, so Mendoza has had to finish those. And when I, whenever I hear Mendoza, I think of Luis Mendoza from the Mighty Ducks. Uh, but Crucky, I mean, for the love of Pete, and I know this is New York. I know the market. But it is, this is chicken little. This is, the sky is falling. This isn't Craig Council, even though clearly Craig Council had no intention of coming here. Uh, the sky is falling. Steve Cohen's not that great. The organization stinks. This is a boneheaded decision. The guy hasn't even gotten a chance to manage a game. He hasn't even had a press conference yet. Uh, and, and so I, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm with you on this. And I'll let you, I'll let you dive into it. We, we're not going to know until April. No, I mean, and this, everybody's got to create a story. Everybody's got to create a narrative. And there was so much hype on council for so long that it was almost inevitable that if they hired somebody besides him, and on top of that, somebody who's not known, his name is not known all around baseball circles, they were going to have this segment of the Mets fan base that as they, they do with every single thing that ever happens with the team, we're going to melt like a candle immediately about this when there's no reason to. We don't know. Nobody knows what this guy is going to be like as a manager. Doc referenced it. You put your time in. There are always first-time first time managers start. You got to manage your first time sometime, right? So clearly, and these are what, what I love about this more than anything with this fan base Everybody was head over heels. David Stearns, David Stearns, he's here. David Stearns, savior. Oh, we're so happy to have you, David. <laughs> he makes his first hire, and everybody is all, oh, this is terrible. Who is this? There's no business making this hire. We cheaped out on count, which, by the way, $8 million for a manager is pretty crazy. And Cohen basically said, look, I'm not going to let you leverage me for uh, to, be the mo- to, to be the bank as everybody views me. But this this is par for the course with this fan base. And it, it's not unique to the Mets fan base, this type of reaction. But you wanted David Stearns. We all did, I think, at least the vast majority of us. Now that he's here, we're saying to him, the keys are here are the keys. This is your automobile. You do with it, with it what you want, and we're along for the ride. You know, man, I hope this guy, by the end of April, into May, into June, shuts everybody up selfishly of course because that means the Mets are winning but also this fan base and it's never going to end but this fan base is just petulant about so many things and whiny crybaby garbage about so many things just to form a narrative and have something to complain about and that's you know Mets fans unfortunately complain really well and that's uh, yeah go ahead Joel go ahead let me ask you something do you like to hire um, given that it's his first time managing and he's in New York, you know, similar how to your first acting job's not on Broadway. Should your first managing job be in New York? What do you think of this hire? Listen, uh, is it the sexy name? No. Uh, is it is it Craig Council? No. 
But clearly, if David Stearns did not hire Craig Council, whether he was going to come here or not, should tell you something. David Stearns worked with Craig Council uh, the last few years. Clearly, he knows, he kind of knows what's up. And Steve Cohen, obviously, I think putting his foot down. Uh, you know, I we, we won't get into it too much, but of course, Major League Baseball owners will not complain as much about the Cubs giving a manager $40 million as they would have had Steve Cohen blessed Craig Council with that amount of money. But that's a different conversation. I, I Listen, I like the hire, right? And I think Rocky hit the big point. Every great anything has had to get their start somewhere. And their start where people were probably like, who the hell are you and what are you doing here? And they kind of worked their way through. So he's also, we, we talked about it, he's been the bench coach for the Yankees. So I don't think he's completely foreign to the New York media and the craze and the stupidity. I'm just going to put it out there. We could say passion. Everybody will tell you in the streets, oh, it's just passion. No, no, it's stupidity half the time. And so he, he has a little taste of it. Obviously, now he'll be at the forefront of it. But what is David Stern's going to put around him? And I think that's going to be uh, the interesting, interesting component. And Stern's has said since he arrived in New York, he wanted a manager he can work with and that his voice will be heard. Uh, when spoken to the manager. So this uh, comes no surprise to me that he kind of went first year. Uh, I, I didn't always buy the council hype. So uh, I, I'm I'm excited, and let's see who we get in free agency. Uh, hopefully everybody the Yankees want. You know, I hope for your guys' sake as, uh, as uh, Mets fans that maybe the new Mendoza line will be like a, you know, 650 or 700 winning percentage, you know. And, and um, not 200. <laughs> right. I mean, so, you know, look at it that way. Maybe the Mendoza line will be read, redefined. And when I think of Craig Council, you know, I, I always think of him scoring that world winning World Series run, you know, for the Marlins against the Yankees. And uh, the one good thing, we do have something in common, though, that probably only is uh, can come out on the front office pod. And that is uh, it is not a full head of hair. That's for sure. We're both <laughs> Notre Dame graduates. Wow. Yeah, Council was born in South Bend and and he played for the Fighting Irish uh, baseball and that that kind of quelled my hard feelings toward him in the uh, World Series, but be that as it may, you know, he's on to other things. I think you guys got a good hire. Um you, you got a you got a good man. Yeah, it's going to be fun and interesting to see and uh we're, we're going to transition now uh to the football field and we talked about it, I've hinted at it and now we're going to talk about it. Daniel Jones tears his ACL in a game against the Vegas Raiders, where, again, Zach and I were sitting on our show uh, the week before and saying the Giants should look at this as they can get back in this thing. They're 2-6, and six, yes. They should be 4-4, four and four, and not the not the, we got beat by 20, but, like, we should have beat that team. Like, the Giants have legit arguments that they should have beaten the Bills and the Jets and uh, and should have been 4-4 four and four going into Vegas uh, they get Andrew Thomas back. They get Evan Neal back. I don't know how much of an addition that is. Uh, that's a whole different discussion. But they get Daniel Jones back as well. So you feel like the Giants are starting to get some weapons together. And then the final play of the first quarter, uh, Daniel Jones drops back. And it looks like he just falls over Lawrence Cager, who's on the roster because Darren Waller's hurt. And he went on IR this week. And so it, I didn't think too much of it, although I couldn't hear the audio. I was told that the announcers kind of picked up on it right away with the knee kind of buckling a little bit. And then he came out for the first play in the second quarter. And that was all she wrote. You could kind of see it when he dropped back. It's kind of gave it went. And Zach, this opens the door 
This opens Pandora's box. This opens up everything if you're a Giant fan. What do the Giants do? What should they do? What are they likely to do? And how do they figure this? It's not even about writing the ship anymore. How do they keep this locker room together and go into the offseason looking as positive as they can? I think when it comes to the NFL, man, it's uh, it's a different animal. And everybody talks about tanking in these sports. I understand it. But in the NFL, every play that you put on tape is um, a potential audition for somebody else. So I don't see these guys going to lay down. It's going to be very interesting. Um, they may not win another game. You know, they, if you got Tommy DeVito starting every week and, you know, he – the guy does have a strong arm. You saw that on a couple of occasions in the Raiders game. Unfortunately, one of them went right to a Raider. But um, <laughs> I don't – if they game plan around, who knows? Do you steal a win here or there? Who knows what happens? But these guys are not going to lay down. Now it's on Dable to, to keep that locker room together. And the overriding thing with this team is just what a disaster this season has been after the, the expectations coming in and after last season, not just with the team, but with Jones, they could never get it all put together at the same time. And, uh, you know, when that happened, that play happened and it looked like he tripped. And when they showed uh, the replay going into the commercial, I said, man, his right leg ain't right. There's going to be some. I thought he hyperextended it. That's what it looked. It looked like he kind of bent the top part, bent forward a little bit. But then it's crazy. He goes out. He goes out and tries to play on a torn, a torn ACL. Which say what you want about his talent. I, it, it's almost a relief from the perspective that we don't have to. We don't know yet. But one thing you can never take away from the guy is his toughness and his his want to be out there and his want to compete. The other thing about this is he's going to be here next year. Whatever role that's in, we don't know. You're not trading a guy who just tore his ACL. That's not happening. You're not cutting a guy who's on your cap for 47 mil next year. That's not going to happen. So either way, now 2025 is a different story. If you decide to move on from him then, then you then you got 22 mil dead cap, which is basically what you have this season with Galladay anyway. Um, so it's not a huge deal. But for this team, this is a – this is we're at a crossroads again, which unfortunately since 2011 has been the theme for the New York Giants. Uh, crossroads. And – what happens in the – it's going to be – it's suddenly become an intensely interesting offseason. It's going to happen where they end up in the draft. I'm already sick, sickened <laughs> by the fact that we're talking about we, – you had Giants fans talking about who they're going to take in the draft four weeks ago. Have now you watched just, the Drake Bay highlights? Uh, Have you watched any yet? <laughs> I, I don't know. No. I'm not going to, man. This is always – I get so angry at this every single year when the Giants are losing. There's been a lot of years lately. The draft talk starts in October and November, and it is it makes your brain numb. And I don't know how I'm going to block that out. But, yes, I'll continue to watch the games because we're fans of the team, fans of the sport. I, I do not root for my teams to lay down ever. Um, I want to win every game. I don't, care. I don't really care what the circumstances are. I just don't think they're built to do that, uh, particularly against teams like Dallas and Washington. But uh, – <laughs> You know, the ch chances are good they're going to be in the top five of the draft next year. And look, 
we were all in on Shane and Dable coming into this season, man. We were riding that train. We were waving the flags and the pom-poms and, and being as loud. And, and, hey, it's your team. Do with it what you want. You have our trust. That's broken a little bit now. Not just from this and what happened in signing Jones, but I see, I've see i seen a different Dable on the sideline this year than I did last year, and that's concerning. They will be back next year. But it is a pivotal time, man. And this next year is is really going to be what writes their story. If this team doesn't look good next year, then you're looking for potentially another coach, another GM, and nobody in Giants land wants that. No, and I think it's interesting, right? I mean, uh, Joel's. we talk about it. We used to talk about this all the time in the Air It Out podcast about how coaches and GMs like to be married to their guy. And the Giants hit a freak situation where Jones was in place. They decided to rock with him, uh, and he exceeded expectations last year. They give him the deal, but now he's hurt, and he's out till probably at minimum October of next year. Uh, Use Kyler Murray as kind of your timeline there. Jones is a little bit bigger than he is. I don't know how that affects his recovery, if it does at all. Uh, Maybe he should go on the ayahuasca regime. Uh, that Aaron Rodgers is doing, and uh, potentially he'll be back in three weeks. So other than that, uh, I think, Joels, this is a chance for Dayball and Shane, if they decide to go quarterback in the draft, to take their guy uh, and almost, I, I don't want to say, and I, I agree, Crucky, uh, how the fan base will turn, but if they get a rookie quarterback, I think they almost lock themselves in for two more years. Uh, give themselves that window. I think John Merrill give them that window, unless they do something stupid like Joe Judge and literally talk himself out of the way, out of the out of a job. Uh, but Joel, is your thoughts on the Giants and and, and what do they do? What do they so, do now? Crockett, you basically hit everything on the head, big time. The only thing I disagree with is that the trust with Dayball and Shane are totally gone. They overexceeded last year, way beyond what we thought they were going to do, and it led to higher expectations coming into this year. I just don't think the expectations were warranted. I feel like if you looked at how they were going and the team they inherited, this is kind of where we expected them to be, a really bad team the first two years. And then once they drafted their quarterback, then things can be on the uptick. The problem I have with them giving Daniel Jones a contract is, you're right, you're kicking more money down the road. If you cut him by year three, it's another $22 million dead cap. And it's really hard to build a successful roster around a rookie quarterback when you're giving all this money out to guys that aren't on the team. It's a big catch-22. I feel like we're in a bad predicament because I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy. And to have a rookie quarterback succeed in this league, you need talent around him. And we're giving money to all the wrong people. I think Dave Gettleman dug us a big hole. I think Joe Shane's digging himself a deeper one. And you're right, Crocky, if this isn't fixed in two years... We're looking for a new GM, a new head coach, and hopefully and hopefully not, and, and a new quarterback, whoever we draft this year. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting, right? The questions continue to swirl. Uh, I've seen people put out there that the Giants should stick with Jones uh, and try to build. They're going to have a top five pick. They can take Marvin Harrison Jr., load up on the weapons side of things. Uh, it's an interesting debate, uh, in my opinion. It's one that I'm always open to and listen to. Doc, what are your thoughts on the outside looking in? You're a Steeler guy, uh, but I know you keep tabs uh, on the locals being from this area. Your thoughts on the Daniel Jones injury and and where in the world do the Giants go from here? 
Well, coming into this year, I thought Daniel Jones was going to have a great year. And that's why I, I, I drafted him in my fantasy league as a backup to Herbert and wanted to get him right away because I also like his dual threat nature because he's he's got he's got good legs. You know, he 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 could he could run, too. Um, but look, it didn't it didn't work out. But when just from a leadership standpoint, unless, you know, uh, Shane and, and Dable, you know, do something totally egregious. I like any leadership team to have five years. I think five years is a fair amount and they inherited someone else's quarterback. Okay. So unless again, they do something totally stupid and you guys would probably define stupid a little differently as, as giant fans. And I may or know more about what they were doing, whether it's stupid or not, but I think he, they deserve that leadership team deserves an opportunity to develop their own quarterback. Um, I guess the good thing is, and you guys are the seem to be like the cap experts. If you're going to have, if you're going to still have that that dead cap money um, after Daniel Jones would be gone after next year, you're still going to have a rookie quarterback on a five year deal. So it's not like you're going to have another quarterback that you have to pay that amount. Okay. With with that said, you know right now the Giants sit at number four. All right. You were talking about you know if, if things ended today. Let's say they ended up there, okay? Um, there's a lot of Caleb Williams. I've seen Caleb Williams play great college games. Um, I've seen Penix play live for Indiana, and I've seen May play in the ACC. Um, I think your I think your best guy right now is is May because he's your biggest guy. He's you know six four two thirty, and he's dual threat. And I just like the way he translates to the pro game. If I look at an example, you guys know that I'm also in a Penn State family. No. I saw saw Will (laughs) Levis back up Trace McSorley and then transfer out of Penn State because he wasn't going to – Franklin was in love with McSorley and, you know, and and the RPO and all that other stuff that that McSorley (laughs) was able to do well. But look where they are in the NFL. McSorley's doing everything he can to hang on to a job. He's languishing, you know, as a third stringer with several teams. Levis in two two starts has looked really, really good. I mean, he went against a great defense the other night in the Steelers, and he was making the throws. And that's what I that's what I look like when I compare these guys. I'm not a Penix fan, not at all. Um, Williams is good, but I, I like the way May translates to the pro game. That's where I stand. And if you ended up with Drake May, it gives your leadership team a chance to develop their own quarterback. He seems like the type of guy that that they would be interested in, very much like when they took Josh Allen. People were down on Josh Allen. He's not accurate, this, that, and the other thing. He falls to seven, but he's got the size. He's got the arm, and you can coach that you know, accuracy as they did early on. I think they would do the same thing best with May of the guys in the quarterback class coming out. I'm surprised that you didn't go with your fellow lefty panics there. No, I know I, you I lefties just, like to stay together. I, I just, I, not that, you know, of course I like to see lefty quarterbacks. It's, it's nice. I remember the days of Jim Zorn. It was for the Seahawks. It was just like, wow, a lefty quarterback and Boomer Siason, those guys. But uh, now I, I think of, you know, a guy that watches a lot of uh, college football, Drake may, impress me as the one guy of let's say those top three you could throw in a Bo Nix if you want top four I like uh May as the guy who translates to the pro game best of of those guys yeah I gotta watch some more Bo Nix tape 
Uh, they, they, yeah. There's a lot of buzz around him. I, I haven't been the biggest fan of his, but yeah. I will admit, like, I have not watched. I have He's not watched age. nearly the enough tape uh, to 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 do that. And the other thing what? about this... what do you got against twenty five year olds there, Joel? He's playing nineteen year olds is my problem there. Continue. Sometimes it doesn't work out. He hasn't worked out for <laughs> Sam Hartman in the last couple of weeks. And, <laughs> and the now... thing about this too, and this is why, the, as I referenced earlier, all the pre draft talk, which we're going to hear for months after month after month now, nobody knows. Sometimes there's the guy who cannot miss, right? Everybody said, Andrew Luck, he can't miss, right? You get the guys, Burrow. Burrow is going to be great. There are questions about everybody. And frankly, you don't know until they step on an NFL field how they translate to the NFL game and the system they're in and the coaches that they're under. And you know, every situation in the NFL is different. So that's the thing. I, when, when the Giants took Barkley, Everybody still poo-poos that decision to this day. But everybody wanted Sam Darnold. And yes, Sam Darnold is still in the league. And maybe Sam Darnold's fall from grace was due to the abhorrent coaching that he had had to be subjected to under Adam Gase. But that's, a, you know, Rosen was another guy in that draft. Oh, the Chosen Giants should have taken Rosen. Giants should have taken Rosen. That's a guy who, after a year, was jettisoned from the team that drafted him and now can't hang on in the league. So you just don't know. You don't know. I, you even know, Burrow, right? Even Burrow, they were saying his hands were too small or some, some yeah, ridiculous right. crap like that. Go ahead, Doc. Yeah, but and and I'm going to bring up another. I mean, bring up another name. I'm Zach Wilson. Okay, he was you know, right behind Trevor Lawrence, but the way this guy you know the the difference in how their careers have panned out thus far is far greater than what was considered when they were drafted yes you know by the jets winning at the end of the season it cost them trevor lawrence but the zach wilson consolation prize wasn't viewed as terrible as it is now I mean, so okay, with Zach Wilson, you know, you know, I'm thinking all oh, these guys just, you know, slinging around the ball for BYU and that kind of offense, but people weren't looking. Okay, we lost that on Trevor Lawrence. Maybe that's you know a sure thing, but you know now you see the difference in, in those those two. But back then, the Jets fans weren't that down on him like it was the most terrible selection ever. Yeah, I, had, I think you had go ahead, Carson. That that same situation with the with the scenario and the team that takes you right. Lawrence gets taken by the Jaguars under Urban Meyer, who was a <laughs> obvious train wreck. Looked didn't look good in his rookie year. You get Peterson in there, offensive mind builds the system that he you know he's very confident in his system, whereas it, it never appeared Urban Meyer looked comfortable coaching on the NFL level. Um, and tried to instill things that just did not work on the NFL level. So that's another thing. The situation that you are, you know, you're born into this world out of college um, and who your coach is and what their system is and how they relate to players also factors into the success or failure of these guys. So it, it is going to be interesting. I am going to, I think whoever the Giants take, if it's a quarterback, will be brought into a good system with a guy like Dable, who is an offensive mind. But you just, as I said, you just never know. You know what, Crookie? It's interesting point that you made the other day. I heard uh, Boomer Sison say during the Boomer and Geo show that uh, he would not 
have made the NFL had he not played in the system for with Ralph Friesian and Bobby Ross at Maryland. That if he did not, if those guys like you know, you look at the Frank Wright and uh, and others that went Stan Gelba, I think all went through that system. But Boomer said himself, if I didn't play for those guys in that system, I would not have made the NFL. And that's right to your point. The system is big. Yeah. You know, I hold two grudges uh, and, and, you know, we usually use grudges negatively. I use these two in good fashion. Number one, I want a Quentin Nelson. I'm sorry. Love Saquon. I'm an offensive lineman till the day I die. And number two, Zach Wilson should have never been picked at number two. It was one pass at his stupid pro day that got him picked number two. I could not believe Justin Fields didn't go number two. I know you could say, well, look how he's turned out now. That's the whole point of the argument is we didn't know uh, what he would turn into. I, I, I He should have been number two in that draft. He was number two the entire time in that draft up until uh, the final days. But I, I, I digress from there. Uh, we'll leave the NFL there for just a second. We're going to come back, uh, do some pickups. But guys, uh, the other sports going on. There's not too much going on. College basketball is getting started. Saw a huge upset with James Madison take down Michigan State on the road. And on the women's side, LSU loses to Colorado uh, by almost 20. Kind of crazy. That'll be nuts as the entire year goes on. It always is. The NBA has their in-season tournament going on. I don't I, I don't follow it too well. And uh, Joel's going to be the thumbs down, 100%. Uh, hockey's going on. Jack Hughes is out seemingly a month. Nico Heischer still has a concussion. Uh, if you're the Devils, the Flyers, Doc, how are the Flyers doing? Flyers, I think five, six, and one. I think we start off with about four, two, and one. I got excited. I saw they were 29th in the power rankings out of 32 and then jumped up to 15 after the first few games. And you know, reality is uh, kind of set in. But, you know, they got five wins in the first. Uh, I guess 12 games and somebody think they wouldn't get five wins the whole season, you know, <laughs> that they're, they're looking to stock up. So it's good. And I'm looking to looking forward to attending the uh, flyers, uh, you know, uh, devils uh, game with you. Yeah. Doc will be coming down to Newark uh, with me for that. Joel's how are your Islanders doing there, pal. Uh, started off strong five wins already, but yeah, Rangers and devils are cooking this year. So they've been an afterthought. I'm not going to count them out yet, but in terms of the three teams right here, Probably the worst of the three right now. Brucky, I have not seen the Craigslist ad for goaltender yet for the Devils. Getting kind of worried here. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna be an issue that pops its ugly head up from time to time throughout the course of the season, and unfortunately, that issue turns into a very ugly monster at times at playoff time. So we shall see what happens. Let's just get Jack back. Let's get Nico back. Let's keep him healthy because. Without those two guys, particularly Jack, uh, long term, we are staring at a uh, big dead end sign, and and nobody wants that. Yeah, let Jack Hughes heal up. We'll, we'll hopefully get him back in a month, whatever it is. Uh, Nemec and Miller, we're still waiting for them to make their Devils debut. We expect those to come this year. Uh, Colin Miller, who we got from Dallas, Nemec is uh, the Devils. I would say he's their top prospect at this point. Luke Hughes getting the promotion this year, obviously, uh, to full-time playing. Nemec is just kind of waiting in the wings there. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And obviously, we've talked about that Brendan Smith needs to be driven about halfway across the world and, uh, and left there to come back on his own. But Guys, uh, we are quickly nearing the end of another awesome podcast. I would be remiss if we did not do some pickums and a little parlay action. Joel's, I know you got us all set up, all fired up. 
uh, for the for these couple segments right here, back to back. Let's hit the ground running and let's do our thing. Yeah, let's get uh, let's get four games going here. All interesting games. We had talked about it in prep about which games we wanted to do, and I feel like these four stick out on a pretty bad slate, if I'm being honest. But let's start off with the Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are favored by six points at home. Let's go around the room. Goose, we'll start with you. Yeah, I like the Ravens in this game. I like the way Lamar Jackson's playing. I'm always impressed with how they're able to run the football every week when every defensive staff in America, in the in the world, I would say, knows you need to stop the run when you play the Ravens. Lamar has been excellent this year passing the football. Uh, I know in years past he's gotten off the good starts and faded towards the end of the year. But listen, the Browns are still the Browns. I know Deshaun Watson's played better. I, I still root for his downfall and his demise on the field. Uh, wins loss record. That's where I root for his demise. I want to make that very clear. Uh, and I just think the Ravens at home are going to be too tough for Cleveland this weekend. So give me the Ravens. Doc, your thoughts. Uh, I, as a Steeler fan, I'm hoping that the uh, stadium caves in and uh, <laughs> there's no game. And somehow that gives them both a loss. Um I would say at this point, I want the the Browns to win because that helps the Steelers in the standings. Um, Baltimore looks really, really good the uh, the last couple of weeks. What's the line on the game again? Uh, Baltimore's favored by six points, full touchdown. I'm take I'm taking the uh, the Browns with the points. I like uh, that game against Indianapolis. Notwithstanding, I've liked the Browns' defense uh, this year. And uh, plus, I, you know, I got my my older daughters in a fantasy league for the first time this year, and she's major hooked and she's got the Browns defense. So I'm going to heart. Uh, I'll, I'll take the points because I, those AFC North games, which all four teams would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. Those games are always three, four point games. And uh, despite Baltimore's uh, dominance uh, the last few weeks, uh, I like the Browns to keep it closer to defense. I'll, I'll take the Browns and the points. Crocky, it's one one. You're the deciding vote. Baltimore yeah, six you, points at home. The Browns are a strange team this year. You know, they, they, the defense has been very good. The offense has been very spotty. They lose Nick Chubb early on and, and continue to play pretty decent ball. Ravens got something going on. And we talked about Jim Harbaugh before. He always seems to steal all the oxygen out of the room, whether he was coaching the 49ers, whether he's coaching Michigan. His brother John's a pretty damn good football coach. And, um, you know, they they just continue to win year after year after year. The fact that this game is in Baltimore, um, they don't seem to be getting too high off of these. I mean, they just pasted. Absolutely. They just they have had games this year where they just blow teams' doors off. And Lamar doesn't even throw a touchdown or run for one. So uh, I am going to take the Ravens. I feel like that spread is is a little bit – little bit thick for my liking. It's a little too wide, but uh, I am going to take the Ravens at home to win that game by touchdown. We move forward with the Green Bay Packers taking on Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are a three-point home favorite. Doc, this is your team. Who do you got? Well, obviously, I'm going to take the Steelers here, but uh, that, that, th- that three-point spread is just – it's just so scary at three because that that's a Steeler game. You know, the Steeler games are, you know, 17, 14, 16, 13, 21, 17. Um, the Steelers just find, find a way, uh, you know, uh, Green Bay is not the Green Bay that the Steelers lost in the Super Bowl a few years back. Um, you know, I, I was at the Steeler game the other night. The environment is great and uh, it's hard to believe, you know, they've been, uh, 
you know, outgained in all eight games. And they just find a way. And why? Because they have a defense. And, you know, offense will score the points. Defense will win the games. I like the Steelers to to win the game, uh, you know, between four and six points. I'm taking the Steelers. I'm laying the three. Crocky, let's go to you second. Packers at Steelers. Yeah, I think now where was the Packers game last? Uh, they won, and that surprised me. But they were at home. They beat the Rams. They were at home. The fact that uh, I th- first of all, I think I don't think the Packers are just. I, I just don't think they're very good. And I think as Doc's been saying, that the Mike Tomlin led Steelers are always a competitive football team. And no matter what happens, they they always seem to be able to bring it. And particularly when they're on their home field, I, I like the Steelers in this game. I think that line, I, I, I will take, the, I will bet that with the three points uh, with the Steelers because I just simply don't think the Packers are that good. One win at home over the Rams, who are really one of the more hot and cold teams in the NFL. Um, I, I like the Steelers big in this. I think Jordan Love stinks, guys. It really, it he has had these three years to sit on the bench. And everybody's yelling, Rodgers, when's he going to – and it's like the Green Bay pushes Rodgers out the door. Okay, you know, time for you to go, like the house guest who wouldn't leave at 3 in the morning. Get out of here. And we have Jordan Love. And Jordan Love, to me, looks awful. So I don't see good th- any good things coming from Jordan Love and the Packers offense um, there in Pittsburgh with a home environment that, as Doc said, is rabid and ready to roll every time the ball is kicked off. Uh, give me, give me the Steelers, and give me the Steelers by at least a touchdown. Goose, it's two zero consensus. But what are your thoughts here? Yeah, um, I have three big important questions uh, that I need you to answer for me, Joel's. Um, Hit me. Is the ghost of Vince Lombardi coaching in this game? Is the ghost of Bart Starr playing quarterback for this team? And is Charles Woodson lining up at safety? It's a no to all three, unfortunately. Okay, so as long as it's no to all three of those. I'm taking the Steelers in this game. The Packers have shown me nothing all year, in particular Jordan Love, and we're finding out uh, a lot about LaFleur this year uh, as Aaron Rodgers departs and, and does his own little thing. Uh, it, it is I, – I just I, – I don't see the Packers doing it, but I also don't see the Steelers winning by, like, three touchdowns. It's just not their style. It's not their not their game. But I, I'm with Krucky and Doc on this one. I just love watching Mike Tomlin teams – play football they're a lot of fun to watch and uh and the defensive player of the year is playing out of his mind right now in tj watt we move forward to an interesting matchup of two contending teams you'd like to believe the detroit lions are at the la chargers now la was just shut out big time offensively by the jets they're looking to bounce back and detroit surprising a lot of people this year as one of the heavy favorites in the nfc detroit on the road is favored by two and a half points crocky let's start with you uh Detroit on the road in LA favored by two and a half. That's a tough game. The fact that it's in LA, I think makes it a tough game. Um, Brandon Staley is not a very good coach in my estimation. (laughs) He makes some boneheaded head scratching decisions at times for a team with that kind of talent, particularly a team that forever did not have talent on the defensive side of the ball. And now they have two premier pass rushers lining up and coming at you uh, every down. So, um, you know, it feels wrong, but I'm going to take the chargers. I'm going to, I'm going to lay the two and a half. I'm going to, um, I'm going to take those points. 
And uh, uh, I don't know. The Lions, as much as I want to believe that they are there and they have arrived, yeah, I think it's a little different on the road. It's uh, I love Campbell. I love what he's doing. I love his whole attitude, his whole thing going on there. Uh, I, and this, to me, is more of a pick game. It's more of a pick game because of the points and the fact that the Chargers are the dog. I'm going to take them. But – I. I could just as it's like a 50 50 to me. You flip a coin, I could definitely see the Lions winning this game. I could see the Lions winning this game by two touchdowns. It's one of those games that I think, you know, has a lot of different potential outcomes. Goose, let's go to you right now for the second one Lions at Chargers, two and a half points. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go a little bit more complex on this one. We're going to have to do some math equation manipulation uh, because in reality, right, we're thinking uh, we're, we're thinking favorites and all this stuff. Well, let's not forget Detroit's actually at home uh, in reality in LA because every LA chargers home game turns into a road game for them uh, essentially with how well other teams travel to LA to play at SoFi. So in reality, Detroit is the home team here. Uh, All kidding aside, I really like this matchup. I think, obviously, you know, the Chargers defense found some stuff against the Jets, but again, it is the Jets offense, and I don't care how diehard of a fan you are. That offense stinks. So does mine. Don't worry. It's okay. We can all have a beer together. Um, but it's it, it, it's. I want to see if the Chargers can put, to, put together back-to-back great defensive performances because they are sure going to be challenged way more this week uh, than they were last week. And that's not to say Jared Goff is Tom Brady because he's not. But Amon Ross St. Brown, that whole backfield, right, Jameer Gibbs, it felt like right before their bye week they kind of found something uh, with Gibbs there. And maybe it's time if you're a fantasy owner of his. It may be time for him to take off uh, as RB1 in that system. But they still have great – I love their skill, guys. I love their defense. Aiden Hutchinson plays hard. Uh, I love what Campbell's doing there. I'll take I'll take the Lions in a uh, de facto home-slash-road game. Benny P., it's 1-1. Who do you got for uh, Detroit at Chargers, two-and-a-half points? Well, you guys uh, make a compelling argument for, for each side of this. And, you know, I look at Detroit, and I believe they're like 14-4 and four in their last 18 games, which is quite, quite impressive. I'm a guy that I've – I've had Justin Herbert, we mentioned fantasy football, and I've held on to him in a keeper league where you're allowed to keep a guy you draft for two years after you draft him. So I've had Herbert for three years. And I'm just waiting, you know, for that level of consistency. And I looked the last few weeks, I haven't seen it. But the one point, you know, you guys made is that we saw, you know, the Chargers defense find something. You know, I, I like the way they played. I, I get it. It's against the Jets. And I just, I'm looking at the Chargers at, at that team that's going to make the run. I, for whatever reason, it's just a gut feel that, you know, Herbert is going to con- consistently put up more numbers. I like his skill guys too. I know he's been dealing with injuries in the receiving core, but I do like uh, the the Chargers laying the, what, two and a half points. I have no problem laying the points. Um, I think they're gonna they're gonna pull out a win and um, continue on a path um, of success and route to the playoffs. I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head in all points there. I mean, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. It's one of the interesting games, like Crucky said. It's a pick 'em. It is what it is, and there is no true winner, and you don't feel good about either side you pick. 
brings us to our last game, which is another pick em. And Goose, we'll start with you. San Francisco 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The 49ers are only favored by three points. They're coming off a bad three-game stretch, if you ask me. One of their worst in the Kyle Shanahan era. And Jacksonville's clicking at the right time with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. Who do you got here? Yeah, I think if you look at this game a few weeks ago, you probably laugh and chuckle and uh, take your money and run to Vegas and and drive home in a new Mercedes. Uh, and and you'd probably be right. But I think the Niners have shown some weakness. And, and by weakness, I really just mean they're missing – their best player and arguably their best wide receiver. Uh, he is their best wide receiver. I'm just saying George Kittle catches the ball a lot. Uh, so whichever best target you want to give to, uh, I don't really care. But those guys mean a lot to this offense, and Brock Purdy needs those guys, and uh, CMC also needs those guys because it kind of takes some guys out of the box uh, that they can load up on him. You're right. The Jaguars are starting to play better. Their defense is playing better. I think at the beginning of the year, that was really a skeptical point uh, for them was uh, what is their defense going to look like? Uh, It's looked better recently. They are at home. I don't have the weather projections. I'm sure it's going to be probably like 95 degrees down there in Duval County. Uh, I'm sure my cousin will likely be at the game down there. He lives in Jacksonville. Shout out Cameron. And uh, this is, it's tough. It's tough, man. I think the Niners, I think the Niners take this game give them the points, and I I, I just I, – I like them coming off a bye. You know, I know they had an awful three weeks. They're still waiting for guys to come back. Party's I just terrible. Think the, I just think the, the bye week helps them a, a good amount, and I think it gives them kind of a rejuvenated look. That defense has needed a rejuvenated look as well. Uh, they have not looked the same formidable defense the last few weeks. So I like the Niners to get back on track after their bye week uh, and celebrate on the beaches of Duval County. Doc, let's go to you. Niners at Jacksonville in Florida. Niners favored by three points. Well, I'll tell you what. When I saw the Niners play at the beginning of the season, I saw them play, you know, uh, the Steelers on opening day and then follow them. I I was like, who's going to beat this team? Like, are they going to lose? And then the three weeks before the bye, the answer was everyone's going to beat them. So they definitely (laughs) tailed off. And, you know, I looked at like Jacksonville and I – I wasn't yet a believer. And then again, watching them against my Steelers, I'm like, this team is good. Um, you know, they're they're four and zero on the road and two and two at home. That so that doesn't boost my confidence with them playing at home. But watching Jacksonville the, the last few weeks, I've become uh, you know a believer. I said this this team is a a good team and hitting their stride. And you know, I I think you know despite the fact that the Niners have had a buy. I think the Niners slump is going to continue. I have no problem taking Jacksonville and the points at home to continue with the trends both of these teams have experienced in recent weeks. Crocky, it's another 1-1. You're the deciding factor here. Who do you got? I like uh, I like the Jags to cover the number at home. Um, now I agree with what Doc just said. I feel like the Jaguars – kind of all season and I have uh, Ridley and I have Lawrence on my fantasy team and I've been kind of sitting here the whole season saying when are you guys gonna when are you guys gonna impress me offensively you know like when are you gonna put up a game where you really you really ball out because they've they've looked okay but I do think with Etienne out of the backfield um, they've got the weapons they've got the head coach and I do agree with Doc that I feel like this is a team rounding into form. 
Whether they win or not, by the way, Goose, we're looking at 75 degrees, partly cloudy, potential rain showers, basically the forecast every day of the year. What doesn't this guy do? He's a meteorologist. He does every commercial <laughs> in the book. He hosts sports shows. He's on podcasts. What doesn't this guy do? I it's, bet he you doesn't can shave. Balance. He doesn't I, shave yeah, anymore. Shaved in a little while, a few days. Does he? Does he still bathe? Actually, still bathe. I did bathe today. <laughs> I'm the only guy without the facial hair, you know? <laughs> yeah, I did bathe today, and, and nobody's around me right now, so they wouldn't know either way. The, but, the uh, glade, is there a bottle of Glade in that room? <laughs> <laughs> Not in this room, but in the in the room it needs to be in. Within um, <laughs> I think uh, – but look, I think San Fran's got some issues going on. I think they will – get around to solving them. Will Debo be back this week? I don't know. They, I know they said at least through the bye he was going to be out. Um, CMC, Ayuk, Kittle, those guys make Purdy look pretty good. And Purdy, Purdy should have been pulled out of their last game. Purdy got his head smacked onto the turf after sitting at, after getting concussed the week before which the splits after the hit he took the week before and before the hit were pretty stark. So he's come back down to earth. People were in love with this MVP, all this stuff, blah, 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 Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> but it makes a difference when you pull – and Trent Williams was hurt as well. Um, so when you pull those weapons off the field, it does make a difference. I just feel like the Jaguars are in a place right now where this game at home – I feel good about them. Both teams coming off a bye, correct? I believe both teams are coming off a bye. I believe so, yeah. Week. They are. Um, both of them. So, you know, you got San Fran traveling across the country. I don't put as much weight into that as, as some others do, but it's a tough trip for them. This is a tough trip. This ain't an easy game. So, I'm going to take the the uh, Jaguars to with the points. And you put this on a neutral field. You're telling me San Francisco's six points better than the Jags? I don't really. Right now, like Doc said, a few weeks ago, probably would have bought that. Right now, I'm not buying it. So give me the Jags, give me the plus three, and I, I do have a good feeling they're going to win this game outright. That cleans up the parlay, the four-legger at plus plus twelve fourteen five $5 to win $60. I'm setting it, fellas. Let's win this. <laughs> Let's get it. Let's get it. Got to love it. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> going against the Antonio Pierce Raiders team real quick. What was that, Jules? What are your What are your thoughts on this Jet team going against this Antonio Pierce Raiders team this week? I hope Antonio Pierce puts a thousand points on the Jets, and I hope he stares Nathaniel Hackett down from across the sideline, points at him, and tells him that he's his little brother. And I'm so sick and tired uh, of this. Ayahuasca boy is coming back in a month, apparently. Uh, Lord only knows. And uh, I, I know he's not actually coming back. He's doing this to stay in the limelight uh, like he always does. He's an attention fill in the blank on that one. And, uh, and but yeah, Joel's pretty crazy to see Antonio Pierce on the other sideline. Uh, did definitely something, a guy that Crucky and I discussed, right? I, I You love him for being the key in that defense and especially that screen tackle in he Green Bay. Correct. But I do have that grudge because he concealed the weapon in 2008 and we were going to go back to back and, and I, I, I rest my case. <laughs> you know, I think he was in that 2008 scenario sticking up for his stupid buddy. Um, but yeah, I'll, ne I can never hold a grudge against Pierce after 2007. I just, I can never do it, but 
this the Jets are such a weird team, man. I mean, for a defense that looks so good, and at times you feel like it, it's not at times. Right now, it's their only hope of winning games because the offense just looks so inept uh, with Zach Wilson at the helm. And it's not just Zach Wilson. It's, it's, it's the guys who Aaron Rodgers brought in here. They all stink. They all stink. Lazard stinks. Cobb wasn't dressed for this game. Hackett is, <laughs> I mean, what more can we say about Hackett that Sean Payton hasn't already said? And everybody made the, oh, oh, he beat Sean Payton. Oh, what a great win for Nathaniel Hackett. Have you seen the Broncos? Have you seen what that team is and what they are? I mean, Sean Payton, three games into his Broncos tenure, I'm not going to write him off. Drew Brees did a lot for him in New Orleans, but I'm not going to write him off with that roster after three games. Wow, the Jets beat him in Denver. Big, big deal. I don't know, man. This this. Jets are going to have to score points, I think, defensively, because it was pretty clear. Yes, I know DeVito and blah, blah, blah. But that team with Aiden O'Connell, Jimmy, I was so upset that Jimmy Garoppolo got benched before the Giant game. I was, and the coach got fired and the OC got fired. I was so angry when that news broke on Wednesday because I was saying, man, we're lining up for a win here. We're facing the worst coach, a terrible quarterback. It, and it all blew up, and I said, that's it. First game, Antonio Pierce, they're going to win. There we go. Away we go. And uh, I hap- I happen to like the Raiders' chances in this game because I just don't think the Jets – I don't know what to expect from the Jets. Um, if their defense doesn't hold a team to 13 points or less, chances are right now they're going to lose and going into the black hole out there where they are all fired up now. <laughs> they got a new belief. And let's be honest. I mean, the Raiders were not a one and seventeen when McDaniel's got fired. They had three wins. I don't know how, but they had them. <laughs> and now with Pierce and this new injected energy with this team, where everybody's playing fast and loose, I like the Raiders to win that game. I, I, I just and the Jets are Jets are at a turning point, man. This the season goes off the ledge if the Jets lose this game and then all the big questions start coming out. And if Rogers does come back, I mean, this, this, whatever, <laughs> like you hit the nail on the head goose. This guy just can't get enough of the camera ever. It is always about him. Me, 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 love me, want me, shower me with kisses all the time. And I, <laughs> I think he's going to be, uh, I don't think he's coming back this year. But this week, I think this could be the, the week that the Jets season and their fan base uh, take a deep, deep plummet off the ledge. Doc, and what do you here's, think of this, this new Jets team? Well, I, Or this new Raiders I, team, rather. I've, I've, I've always Jets. liked the, the entire year I've liked the Jets D. Going into the season and during the year, I, I liked the Jets D. With that said, they should keep the game close. Okay, but how do you pick a team that's averaging one touchdown per game like that that's it so i mean if you you know like you know i think that, yeah the, if the, the raiders score 14 17 20 21 points you know you're not going to win so now and, and throw in the fact that you know the raiders are 3 and 1 at home and they're getting points you know the game is is going to be close because the jets can't score with that said and that energy that you guys alluded to the 
um, you know, guys like Devontae Adams saying, hey, you know what? Work is fun now. It's fun coming to work. And that that's different than saying, oh, we're just going to work and have fun. He, these guys are he's saying, hey, you know, yeah, we're going to work, but we're having fun at work. And to me, that, you know, should translate to some uh, greater production and what they've experienced and a little of, you know, kind of uh, more along the line of the 30 points they, they hung on the Giants. So even if they score half of those points, they're probably going to win the game. So I take the Raiders and the points. Did, did you guys hear Jay Glazer about the full details of the Josh McDaniel story about that team meeting right before he got fired? Brutal. I, no, I, I, I mean, didn't. So he, so he had Antonio Pierce basically speak on behalf. They had this whole clearing of the air type meeting. Everybody's speaking. He sends Antonio Pierce up to speak on behalf of basically himself. And yeah, right. And and Pierce goes up there and delivers just an awesome speech. I I I, one that you know gets you going. He talked about how in New England, you know, Bill Belichick, how they 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 never coached as if they were out of any game. They always had the guys prepared and prepared as if they were going to win. And McDaniel's after the speech, everybody's going crazy. Ripped Antonio Pierce for talking about Bill Belichick like that. Uh, and that was kind of that was basically all she wrote. McDaniel's, McDaniels. was on that staff that the Giants yep. beat, and you know that's where obviously he wrote his ticket to get these head coaching jobs was in New England. So yeah, they allegedly that he was not happy that Pierce referenced the 2007 Super Bowl and saying that they had a mindset going in and a game plan going in and a confidence going in that they could beat whoever was in front of them. Didn't matter who it was. Didn't matter what their record was. And apparently McDaniels didn't like that too much. And I mean, my God, how are you a head coach in the NFL when you're when your skin is that thin? Uh, it, and it probably rightfully so. Now, guy never should have had a second shot at a job in the NFL after the butcher job he did in Denver. And even before that, now the the fact or after that, the fact that he was the head coach of the Colts and then backed out at the last minute. I don't know, Mark Davis. I, whatever outside of his haircut, I, I don't really know what goes on in the man's head. Given that guy five years as a head coach just never made sense. And it clearly didn't make sense. So yeah, just bizarre, bizarre stuff. And I bet every player, and yeah, there is no way to watch football on any level and not love Devonte Adams as a player. No way. And you saw how ticked off this guy was. And you saw the passes that Garoppolo, that game, the last game before he got fired, he should have had a 60-yard touchdown, and he should have had a 98-yard touchdown. He he torched the defensive back and had five steps on him, and Garoppolo threw it to the river. So these this is a different team. It's a different team, and that team's just got to be ecstatic that McDaniels isn't there. No doubt. And guys, it's uh, we're coming up on the end of our time, and I'll leave you with this Jets offensive stat of the day. The Jets have scored more than one offensive touchdown in one game this year, and that was against the Kansas City Chiefs, and that was the game that was proclaimed that Zach Wilson uh, was going to get a key to the city and was going to take over Mayor Adams' seat as the grandest human being in New York. And uh, by the way, for those sitting at home that don't remember that game, they still lost that game, by the way. So uh, whatever. I, just have one, I have one more stat to throw yep. at you here. The uh, In NFL, the 
teams in the last, I don't know if it's the last decade or longer than that, it might be longer than that, um, who have scored eight or fewer touchdowns in the first eight weeks of a season are the 2023 Jets, the 2023 Giants, the 2020 Jets, and the 2019 Jets. Not Pretty good. brutal. Not good. But, uh, guys, I do appreciate you guys hopping on. Joels, you have our social medias. Where can the people find us? Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the front off pod. It's F R O O F F P O D. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at good old Joel's fellas. This has been great. I'm kind of feeling under the weather. So thank you for carrying me. Um, yeah, let's get Caleb Williams. And yeah, I'm so sick of these giants team already. I'm looking forward to April in November. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it's it's Don't crazy. Start. <laughs> well, guys, thanks for joining me. Crocky doc. Uh, always appreciate the wisdom and knowledge. Our this is pleasure. always a blast, man. This is always a blast. Thank you. Always fun, guys. Money because of you guys. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll <laughs> when have you to find it, out. When, we, when you win it, we're we're gonna we're gonna have uh, the blooming on, onion. Yeah, that's think pizza we, we, and beer we, money. Don't worry, fellas. Don't uh, worry. I, that that now that now you're that's hey, I can have that every meal. Goose <laughs> Goose likes the blooming on, onion. Something about some big, you know. <laughs> it is it is delicious well that's uh (laughs) that's gonna do it for here for the front office podcast episode three we're coming back we've got episode four i'm already thinking about episode four can't wait to be back out with these guys and we'll uh we'll catch you all next time so keep enjoying the content and we'll see you on episode four